listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want you guys to turn with me real quickly to the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. And we're still, you saw I put it up in the uh, title, This Message Will Self-Destruct. You'll understand what I mean by that in just a minute. I saw my friend Zachary David Wilson on today. Love you, buddy. Um, This message, the way I I, um, titled it will make sense in a moment when you see what I'm talking about. We've been on a, a theme this week. And last week we were on a different theme. It's like the whole week we just carried through. We're talking about the power uh, yesterday, the day before, of time management. And if those of you that have been with us, you know what I'm talking about. Not Psalm 119, but Psalm 119. I should have said that better. Psalm 119. Um, Hey, Zach, love you, buddy. And so um, there's so much power. We've been talking about diligence faithfulness um, in your uh, ordering of your day, your time management, why it's so powerful and why the most powerful people in the world make sure that they optimize their time. Uh, I did a blog post a few years ago entitled How Standing in Line Can Make You Successful. How Standing in Line Can Make You Successful. And really, it came on me. I went to the airport. The idea came to me. I got out on the curb and I was checking in to go somewhere and the line, I don't know if it was a holiday, what was going on, the line was forever long on the curb. And so I'm standing there and I'm looking, I remember actually lifting my phone up and taking a picture to show Carolyn because she had already gone. I, I lifted my phone up, took a picture to show her how long, I'd never seen a line that long on the curb to check in at the airport. It was extremely long. Hey Ted, love you guys. And so I sent that to her. I was like, man, this, this is a long line. But then I just kind of did what I normally do when I'm in a line or what, whatever. I popped some earbuds in, opened my phone, and threw a podcast on or an audio book. Um, I think that day what I, what I actually did was I had some articles saved uh, in my Instapaper app, which is, you can look that up and figure out what it is. It's like, it takes online articles and downloads them for offline reading whenever you're available. So I think I opened up like three, four articles that I'd been wanting to read and I'm standing in that line. And you know what you do? Instead of standing there fuming, like, I can't believe this line's so long. I got how long I got to wait here and stand here. Actually, I'm using that time to continue developing my spirit and developing my mind and developing my Uh, skills, as it were. And so I wrote this blog post uh, entitled How Standing in Line Can Make You Successful. And I dealt with the fact that so many people have what we would refer to as downtime, you know, stuff where you are doing something, but you could also, it's something so mindless that you could also be doing something that would build your spirit, build your mind, build your knowledge, wisdom, whatever. Hey, Christian, love you, buddy. And so I was encouraging people that read the article, look at the times in your life 
where you could be doing things to build your spirit, man, to build your uh, faith, to build your wisdom, knowledge, to hone your skills in your particular purpose. And I started listing these different times. For example, when you're standing in a line or if you're overseas in a queue, <laughs> wherever you might be, whether that's in at the airport, whether that's, you know, wherever you are at the grocery store, there's a line backed up because they don't have enough registers open, whatever it is. I don't ever put myself in a position where I don't have something on hand immediately to feed my mind or my spirit, hone my skills. I, I purposely keep a playlist of stuff, downloaded articles, audiobooks ready to go, whatever it might be, and all I have to do is throw some earbuds in, whatever, and I am, I am, I am turning waiting time into development time. And I want you to put that in the comments today. Turn your waiting time into development time. Turn your waiting time into development time. This is so huge. I'm, I'm going to talk about something once again that um, I really find to be extremely practical, but really, really important for somebody that wants to be successful in what God's called them to do. Turn your waiting time into development time. So let me give you some practical examples. Maybe you're a, a person who stays at home to do, you know, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, for example. Maybe you're a stay-at-home dad. Um, whatever. If you're at home, I encourage people to do this. There are things that you're working on or doing that you could also be developing your mind, spirit, skills, whatever. Let's say you're cleaning the house, for example. If you're cleaning the house, that's a perfect opportunity to develop your spirit, to develop your faith, to develop your skills. If you're cleaning, throw some earbuds in and, you know, have audiobooks ready to go. Have podcast episodes ready to go. Ha have things that, you know, that while you're working, you're still receiving. You know, you're still getting it. Throw on Miracle Word Radio. Throw on our podcast. If you're cleaning at this time, throw the broadcast on and just listen. Because what happens is, as Pastor Bill Motley said here in the comments, preparation brings manifestation. That preparation time is never lost time. And that's why even Paul encouraged Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a worker that does not need to be ashamed. So what Paul is saying there is there are some workers who should be ashamed. And there's others that have nothing to be ashamed of. You've given it all you've got and you've studied, you've worked to show yourself. You know, I bring this up often when we're teaching on something like this. Paul was in prison. I mean, think about this. He was in prison and writes a letter and says, hey, do me a favor. Bring me my cloak. And he starts listing these things, but it always shook me that he said, and bring me my parchments and my notes. Paul was like, yeah, I'm in prison, but I'm going to keep studying. I'm going to keep developing. I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to keep doing what I'm called to do. Turn your waiting time into development time. Maybe you've got, um, I read a statistic that really blew me away. The average American will spend a full 40-hour work week in their vehicle going to and from work every year. Think about that. In your transit to and from work, 
you will spend, the average uh, American, will spend a 40-hour work week in the vehicle just driving to and from work. I think of my father-in-law who used to work for the VA hospital down in Miami, but he lived up near Fort Lauderdale, and he would drive every single day from Fort Lauderdale to Miami an hour one way to work and an hour, and if traffic's bad, longer than that, hour back from work uh, every single day of his life as he worked down there. Well, one of the things I know about my father-in-law is that he always keeps... um, he always keeps plenty of worship available. You know, uh, he always, every, anytime I've ever been in the car with him, he's got his worship going, worship music. He's, he's getting into the presence of God. See, that's how you do it. Turn the morning shows off. Turn the secular news off. All the stuff you don't need to hear. You, what if you use that 40-hour uh, work week every year in your vehicle to have the Bible, audio Bible playing from like version Bible app or something? What if you had Miracle Word Radio on? What if you had podcasts on where you have preaching and teaching and the Word of God? Imagine how your spirit would explode and expand just by turning your waiting time into preparation time. Imagine that. If you optimized your time so that you never wasted it. You know, it blows my mind. I don't think people care about increasing. I think the average person doesn't care about increasing. And so uh, I like what Buddy put in the comments. He says, statistically, successful people listen to podcasts and audiobooks, while unsuccessful people just listen to music. I totally agree, and I understand that. Um, it's, it's interesting. Dave Ramsey put out an article um, that listed the differences why rich people, uh, habits of the rich versus habits of the poor. It was mind-blowing to see some of these things. For example, one of the ones he mentioned was, that like 70-some percent of wealthy people continue studying and reading after they graduate college for their career, where only like 2% of poor people do that, continue to study and develop after school's over. And so there are statistics we could bring up, but the thing that I think everybody can understand is that we have tons of these types of moments where you know, I'm doing, maybe I'm doing something that's mindless, like driving. Not that you should be mindless driving, but you know, you kind of are driving. You don't have to like, you know, you're, you're, you're just watching. But while you're driving, you know, you can literally listen, audiobooks, videos on YouTube. You don't have to watch them. You can listen to them. Uh, podcasts, whatever it is. And as it is, you're just filling yourself with knowledge and you're filling yourself with wisdom and you're filling yourself with faith while you're driving. I watch people at the airport sometimes and it blows my mind. People don't optimize their time. They don't care about increasing. I sit around the, in the airport and I look and I just see people that are people watching or they're, uh, you know, whatever. They're just goofing off or they're just like, kind of like, I see a lot of this nowadays. I see just like mindless scrolling of the phone, like just mindless scrolling. They're just zoned out, zoned out. And let me tell you, those are the types of moments, you know, especially when you're stationary and you don't have to be driving a car. You can sit there and read an article or you can, you know, you can actually watch videos and you can increase yourself. I don't, I don't, I really don't understand people that don't have a desire to increase themselves. I don't understand that. 
It's, that's, not a, that's not a Christian trait to have no desire to increase yourself, especially when you understand that God's desire for you is never-ending increase. And I want you to put it in the comments, God's desire for me is never-ending increase. Well, that's not automatic. And everybody watching, type that in. But that's not automatic. You have to work towards increase. You have to work. The diligent hand is made fat or rich. The diligent hand, that's what we've been dealing with. It's the diligent hand. It's the faithful hand. And um, today I want to kind of talk about something that is, uh, I learned this lesson. Now, before I had not uh, had an issue with this, but something happened, uh, and I did end up learning this lesson, and it's the only time I'm ever going to learn it, by the way, because I've learned it, and I'm not messing with it ever again. But this deals with your purpose, those of you that are watching me, because you do have a purpose. Once again, you are anointed, you are purposed, you are called. If you're in the kingdom, you have a strong purpose, and you are anointed, and God has set you apart for these last days. Don't ever look at yourself and say, I don't have what it takes, or I'm not as anointed as him. We all have the same anointing. It's the Holy Ghost. That is the anointing. He is the anointing. We all have the Holy Ghost. So we all have the same anointing in potential, but not everybody manifests the anointing at the same level. And so uh, I learned this lesson kind of the hard way. So I've always really enjoyed reading. I've always enjoyed reading. I read my first adult novel, and I hate saying that because it sounds like it's an adult novel. I didn't read an adult novel. Novels written for adults is what I mean to say. I don't read adult novels, by the way. Um, but I'm talking about, you know, a, a novel that was written not for children but for adults. Uh, I, I read my first full-length novel when I was like nine years old. It was like, you know, 600 pages. And I've never stopped. I, I seriously enjoy reading. I read for pleasure. I read for work. I read constantly. I have a list of at any time of about eight to nine books that I'm reading. And I really enjoy reading. Um, and then because I started to really enjoy reading, I really started enjoying writing. And I've written, you know, just for my own benefit or pleasure, uh, since I was young, I'd write stories and short stories and uh, action stories or whatever. And when I was in high school, I won a few awards in writing short stories and stuff like that. And I've always enjoyed writing. Well, then you come into the, the, your purpose. And I'm a minister now. And so now I started feeling, man, I really feel the push in my spirit to start writing books. And then back, you guys remember that the first book that I ever released was Praise, Laugh, Repeat. Uh, as we were dealing with all this, so much depression I dealt with on the road with people that were depressed, chronically depressed, anxious, suicidal. And it really bothered me. And I started praying and fasting and asking the Lord, how can we, how can we break this, these chains of depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts? And he started speaking to me all these things. And as he's speaking to me, there was such a hunger, I just started writing. And I was writing like, like crazy. And I must have put that book out in like less than three months. I mean, you know, I don't know, it was 220 some pages. And I think I wrote that for about three months. Maybe not even that. It came out quick. It came out of me like a, a waterfall. 
because God was saying so much to me. And we produced that. Then we put out the 40-day devotional that goes with it. And then I wrote Blood on the Door. Then I wrote the Blood on the Door workbook. Then I wrote uh, Unhang Your Harp. And then I, you know, I just kept on writing. Well, the Lord spoke this um, revelation to me about impartation. And he started dropping all these notes in my spirit. And I knew that I was going to write the book, which ended up being called Further Faster, which many of you have. We dropped it last year in the spring, early spring. Further Faster, How God Accelerates Your Purpose Through the Force of Impartation. And the Lord started giving me all those ideas and all of those, uh, all those notes, all the stuff in the Word. And I was so pumped up about it, so excited about it. And, um, and, and I started to write, and then I'd put it off. And then I'd start to write, and then I'd put it off. And then procrastination set in. And then I just wouldn't write for months. And then I'd write a little bit, write a few pages, and then I'd put it off. And then I'd talk to people about it and get excited about it. And I'd preach about it. And then I wouldn't write. And I knew I was supposed to write. And for the first time ever, a book didn't flow out of me. And it bothered me. Because I was so sure that for the other four books that had gone before this one, it was going to flow out at the same pace. And so I made the mistake even of starting to announce it to you guys and to others where I was preaching and say, hey, we got this book coming soon. For And, and let me tell you, uh, people started uh, pre-ordering it and, uh, you know, all of that. They started pre-ordering it and we had all these pre-orders on the website and the book wasn't done. The book was halfway done or, you know, whatever it might be. It was, I was procrastinating. And for the first time ever, I was like feeling this frustration of it's not just flowing out of me like it should. It was my fault. It wasn't the Lord. He was giving me the ideas and the inspiration, the revelation. And I wasn't doing with my time, here where I'm going with this, what I should have been doing with my time. And so as a result, there was a message to release but it wasn't getting out because of the fact that I was not doing with my time what I should have been doing with my time. And I really feel like that's displeasing to the Lord. And uh, I learned a lesson and I said, you know what? And it actually, this, here's the sad part. It ended up being like a year and a half or more, uh, even since people started pre-ordering it, that are like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And, um, and God was still showing me more and more, but Understand this, I should have been more diligent with my time. I should have been more faithful. And, you know, anybody could make the excuse. I could have made it. Well, you don't know how much I'm doing. Of course, we got travel full time. I'm doing Miracle Word University. I got a family. I'm doing all this work for the Lord. You know, the book will be out when it's out. And, and you could make all those excuses. But if the Lord has given you something, you've got to be faithful and diligent to do what he's given you. Think about this for a minute, and then I'm going to read you this verse that's going to blow your mind. As with anything else, finances or anything, and I want you to write this in the comments, anything God places in your hand, you must be a steward of. Let's flip that for grammatical correctness. You must be a steward of anything God places in your hand. That includes your spirit or your mind. Put it like this. I must be a steward of anything God gives me. Write it just like that. I must be a steward of anything that God gives me. 
This, if you'll learn this, this is such a massive lesson in life, especially as a Christian, obviously. I must be a steward of anything God gives me. He gave you a physical body. You better be a good steward of that body. He gave you a mind. You better be a good steward of that mind. If he's given you a ministry, you better be a good steward of that ministry. He's given you and blessed you with finances. You better be a good steward of those finances. But when it comes to the things that he's giving you in your spirit, man, you better be a good steward of what he's putting in your spirit. And I was not stewarding properly what the Lord was blessing me with. This revelation on impartation. There's Pastor Mike Childs. He's crushing it down in Georgia. Love you. Love you very much. And so I wasn't being a good steward. And the Lord uh, led me to this verse that I'm going to give you today. Psalm 119 and verse 60. Psalm 119 and verse number 60. Look at this now. The psalmist writes, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. You see that? I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. That's a powerful verse right there. When God gives you an assignment, you better hasten to carry it out. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Put that in the comments, those that are watching. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience. Because remember this, even in, even in the Lord's eyes, it's important to keep, it, keep in your heart. God doesn't judge you based on what you planned on doing. He, he judges you based on what you did, not what you planned on doing. And did you know that the Bible tells us that in a parable? That very um, concept or principle is shown to us through Christ uh, giving a parable when he said a man had two sons and he told the one son, go out and do this. And the son said, I'm not doing it. And when he went out from his father's presence, he went and did what his father told him to do. But then he had another son. And he said, go do this. And he said, absolutely, father, I'll go do it. And when he left his father's presence, he did not do what his father told him to do. And then asked the question, which of the two do you think the father will be pleased with? The one that said he wouldn't, but then actually did it. Or the one that said he would, but never did. Obviously, the answer to that is he's pleased with the son that actually did what he was asked. Yeah. And that's the key. There's all kinds of children. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, I'll do it. Oh, I'll, it never gets done. How would you as a parent judge it if you said to your child, get upstairs and clean your room? Get upstairs right now and clean your room. Okay. And they go upstairs. You know how kids are. They'll start cleaning and find a toy they hadn't seen in three months. And they start playing with that. You come upstairs three hours later and they're still sitting in a messy room playing with the toy they found. Now to your eyes, you know what that looks like? Pure disobedience. I sent you up here three hours ago to clean your room. It's still a mess. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. 
And so the point I'm showing you here is that when God gives you a task, when he gives you an instruction, when he gives you a purpose and a command, I love what the psalmist wrote. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. And I felt here that I made the mistake that God had given me something that I knew was, was anytime I'd preach it, the power of the Holy Ghost would fall. Anytime I'd discuss it uh, with other ministers, the anointing would be there. And I'd begin to write and I'd feel the anointing. And then that procrastination sets in. Procrastination sets in. And you're not writing and you're not releasing. It's delayed obedience. God's the one who gave me the word. He's the one that told me to write the book. And I'm not saying this because I'm super spiritual. I believe when God puts something in my heart and my spirit, I know I've got to do it. And part of that was this. He doesn't give me these things for no reason. He gives them to me to release them to the body of Christ. It's so serious, uh, uh, and I believe he's so serious about it, that he said this to me one time. You've heard me say it on the broadcast. He said, imagine if the believer's authority was just a message Brother Hagin preached one time. That's what he said to me. He said, imagine if healing the sick was just a grouping of messages Osborne preached one time. Imagine if the fourth man or a miracle of seed faith was just a message Oral Roberts preached one time. And after they preached it, they were done with it. It would not have blessed generation after generation after generation, decades through time. You know, that Believer's Authority book by Brother Hagin has gone all over the world, translated into many languages, right? And has changed the body of Christ's understanding on authority in Christ. But imagine if all he did was just preach it one time instead of write what God told him to write. See, it endures. It lives on beyond the person's life. We wouldn't have even known anything about Smith Wigglesworth unless Stanley Frodsham wrote about him. He didn't, you know, you could have bought, you could have bought the one book that he really worked on, but unless Stanley Frodsham or the other guy that wrote about it had sat down and wrote books, you wouldn't know anything about Brother Wigglesworth's life. Lester Summerall wrote some about him, but understand that. <clears throat> it's the things that endure. So God we wouldn't even have the scripture unless people were obedient to obey the Holy Ghost and sit down and write what the Lord told them to write. And so when God gives you a task, notice that, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Pastor Mike Childs in uh, Columbus, Georgia, just wrote or just uh, built a church for the Lord, just built a new building. Now he needed that and the Lord spoke to them to do it. But can you imagine if he said, oh, I'll do it, Lord, I'll do it. Oh, I'll do it, Lord. I'll do it. I'll get to it, God. I'll get to it. Meanwhile, the church is bursting at the seams and people are trying to come. And let me tell you, you keep delaying for long. People don't like to be jammed into a place. People don't like not being able to find parking. People don't like all that. You know what that was? Oh, we're just going to, it's a little uncomfortable to go uh, to the River Columbus. It's a little uncomfortable to go there. We're just going to, we got a place closer to our house. It's a little easier to get to. You know what happens? Doesn't matter all the rest of the stuff. People are carnal. People are carnal. And you know what happens? Say, well, we're just not going to come in. And because if he would have not hastened to obey and not delay in doing what the Lord told him to do, people would start going other places. People would start going, well, it's just easier to attend over here. But because he's obedient to build the building and to increase, he will increase. 
The church will increase, and I'm sure it already is. They're in revival. The power of God's there. But it'll only increase because he hastened to obey the word of the Lord. And if you don't hasten to obey the word of the Lord, I had a guy come up to me one time in revival. Guy says to me, would you pray for me, Brother Ted? I said, how can I pray for you? He says, I want you to pray that my purpose will come to pass. He said, the Lord called me to preach 42 years ago. He said, I just want you to pray that the doors will begin to open. I said, buddy, he probably called someone else by now. That was my answer. I said, because I'm going to tell you something. God ain't waiting around 42 years for you to get your ducks in a row. It doesn't work like that. When he speaks, you better listen. You better listen. You better do it. And notice, God's quick. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have grace and mercy. That's not what I'm saying about God. But God has, remember this, God has an agenda that he wants carried out on the earth. God's a good businessman. He has a plan. He has an agenda. He wants it done. Notice how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should not only pray that, we should carry out God's will on the earth. And I'll show you an example of what I mean. Did you ever notice that God did not wait until Saul died to choose a new king for Israel? The moment that Saul lost the anointing, the moment that Saul stepped out of his position, didn't wait for Samuel, offered the sacrifices anyway. God said, I'm lifting my hand of anointing off of you and I'm going to find another. Notice, God didn't wait for Saul to die. He said, you're done because you won't listen to my voice. You won't do what I've asked you to do. I'm done with you. I'm going to find another. And he did. Told Samuel, go to Jesse's house. I'm going to anoint one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. And anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Didn't wait. And if you're sitting around saying, well, I know God will use me one of these years. If there's a purpose on your life and there's a calling and a plan of God, hasten to obey it. Somebody said, and I don't say this to toot our horn. I'm, I, I, don't, I have no desire to do that. I don't care. I just, I'm giving it to you as an example. I had, we've had probably in the last year, we've probably had seven people come up to us, Carol and I, be like, man, you guys, you guys move at the speed of light. You just have an idea and you just do it. But I don't look at it that way. I look at what uh, some people are doing. I think to myself, how long is it going to take them to implement one idea? How long is it going to take them to execute one thing? You know, if you've got to go through 13 committees and get 19 opinions and 17 quotes, it's like, how long is it going to take you to execute the thing God called you to do? People, we've had at least seven people say that to us in the last year. And I don't look at it like, oh, we, we're moving at the speed of light. I look at it this way. We get the instruction and we accomplish what God's asking us to do. We're not negotiating it. If the Lord said it, we're going to do it. And I love this because God is pleased with production. Put it in the comments. God is pleased with production. God's a builder. God's a builder. And he's pleased with production. In fact, he's so displeased with a lack of production that he'll only endure it for a short period of time. Think about that. God will only endure a lack of production for a short period of time. 
You read that in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Listen to what the Bible says. I mean, can't get any more plain than this. Hey, Caitlin, God's pleased with production. I'll read it to you. Listen to this. Verse 7, John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Actually, let me go up a little bit further above that. Verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Look at that. The father is, is called the husbandman. The husbandman. Let me go back, back up to the top. Verse 1, I'm the true vine. My father's the vine dresser, or the husband, one translator said. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You see that? So let me just show you this. It's not that there's just branches that have never been connected to Jesus, and then God's just like, hey, you know what? No. No. He's saying, if you're in me and you don't produce fruit, the Father will remove you from me. That's strong, man. Let's take a minute to give God thanks. Letty last, left last night right after church. She left at 8.30 p.m. And she just commented, hello, everyone. I've just officially parked at home, 11.10 a.m., up in Massachusetts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for bringing Letty safely home to her family. Thank you for giving her rest. Thank you for blessing her. And thank you for bringing her here safely. We love you, Letty. Glad you're home. God doesn't play around with production. He wants his people to produce. We're called to produce just like God produces. He gives us the ability. We have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to be creative. That's what the kids' video is about today, creativity in the body of Christ. We have the ability to produce like God produces. He actually told, after he created man and woman in his likeness and image, he said, now be fruitful and multiply. That's, he gave them power to multiply, to be fruitful, to produce. We are called to produce. We're anointed to produce. We should always have things coming out of our life. Production. We should be adding to our generation, not taking away from it. An asset, not a liability. How does it come? It comes by hearing the voice of the Lord. But notice, it's never automatic. It's never automatic. I want to give you something uh, before we pray from the Old Testament so that you can see how this happens. How does this happen? Go with me to Genesis 32. That's it. Keep putting in the comments. I'm anointed to produce. I'm anointed to produce. I'm anointed to produce. I'm anointed to produce. You are. You absolutely are. I bring this uh, up relatively often so that you can understand fully what I mean. I'm going to give you this and then I'm going to pray for you today because you are anointed 
You are anointed to produce fruit. You're anointed to be productive. Amen. Our very own uh, Tiffany Farley wrote an article in the latest magazine about having the ability to produce in the kingdom of God. There's, let me tell you something. If you've got the mind of Christ, if you're, there's no reason why you can't have your own business. There's no reason why you can't create your own source of passive income. There's no reason why you can't do these things yourself. You look at other people and say, man, I wish I could be an entrepreneur. Man, I wish I could do that. Man, I wish, you can do it. You're full of the Holy Ghost, full of power, full of wisdom. And if you lack wisdom, the Bible says, ask God. He gives all men liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. Amen. Genesis 32. It's the story of Jacob getting ready to wrestle with God before he gets his name change, his identity change, which is huge. Goes from being deceiver to one who wrestled with God and prevailed. Jacob to Israel. And the Bible says, uh, Genesis 32, 22, the same night Jacob arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok River. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. That's a massive key to catch. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, I'm going to stop there because it's all I really want you to see. He didn't have an encounter with God until he removed distractions. All of his animals, all of his possessions, his wives, his servants, everybody else, everything else, he removed himself from it, sent them across the river, and he stayed on the other side. And it wasn't until he was alone that he could have an encounter with God. Many times, the reason that people are not where they want to be, that they've not produced what they want to produce, that they're not operating at the highest level of potential, why they're not doing all the things God called them to do, too many distractions. Too many distractions. And one of the things that I'm going to talk to you about when, it, when, when we deal with this time management issue this week that we're talking about is that if you don't take authority and control over distractions. I said it yesterday, I believe it was, uh, if you don't guard your time, your time will be stolen. If you don't guard your time, your time will be stolen. You've got to guard yourself from distractions. Distractions are wicked. The devil will send them. And there's people that are good-meaning people. They love you. They may love your family. But see, they, they're not even sharp enough to see that they are being a distraction. They're being a distraction. Now, I'm not talking about your husband or your wife. I'm not talking about your children. I'm talking about there's people that, you know, they, they, don't even, they won't even see that they're distracting you from doing what you're called to do. And that's why you have to take control and you've got to create a place where not only you can hear from God, but a place where you can produce for God. Amen. You've got to. And you know what? Many people need to put do not disturb on their phone. It's funny to me that the, the human uh, 
I, I should say like the human, uh, the human error that we see so often is that most people can't control their flesh enough to remove distractions. They can't, you know, they can't even produce at work because they can't stop going on social media. You know, they can't even control themselves to not even check their email, check their social, check every 20 minutes, every 10 minutes, they're opening their phone back up, opening it back. And then they don't produce because they're, they're distracted. Do you realize that, that because of human nature, there are app developers now that have to develop apps that keep you out of your other apps for a, a period of time. You have to set a schedule in that one app and it keeps you locked out of your social media for a certain period of time. You know why they have to do that? You say, well, why should I do that? I just won't open my social media. But people won't not open their social media. They won't not check their email. They won't, you know, they, that's why they need an external app to keep them out. They have to make themselves a prisoner in their own phone because they don't have self-control and they don't produce. And so I'm just encouraging you, it's time to remove distractions. You got to get them out of your life because once you understand your time is so precious, so valuable that it is your currency for the kingdom. Think about it. Time is kingdom currency. Pop it in. Write it in your Bible. Write it in your notes. Time is kingdom currency. Time is kingdom currency. Write it in the comments. Please understand it. Time is kingdom currency. So what about seeds we sow? What about finances? Your finances are only a reflection of your time. You've agreed with a company to give them 40 hours in exchange for what they'll give you in money. So your money is truly just a representation of how you spent your time. That's all it is. That's why time is the kingdom currency. Time is the only thing we can truly give to God. Think about that. Time is the only thing we can truly give to God. Well, you can give him finances, you can give him money, of course you can, but it's only a reflection of your time. Oh, you can give him your devotion in prayer and the reading of the word, but you know what that takes? Time. Time is truly the only thing you can give to God because it's the only thing you really have. Amen. Every, think about this. It's an interesting thought. And I'm very careful when I say only because you never want to say never or always, but the only thing, imagine that this phone, the, the face of this phone is the representation of your time quadrant, if you will. Everything that you do in existence is locked inside of the quadrant of time. You can't do anything outside of time. It takes time to do anything you would do. That's why I say time is the most valuable currency. It's the kingdom currency, and it's the only thing you can truly give God. Everything that we offer to him is offered through the quadrant of time. People, they won't pray if they won't take the time to pray. They won't read his word if they don't take the time to read the word. And see, one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is say, I will give A, B, or C to God when I get the time. That's a dangerous mistake. I will pray when I get the time. I will read the word 
when I get the time. I will attend church faithfully when I get the time. You'll never have the time. Because there, as I preached yesterday and taught you the day before, there is nature's a vacuum. There is nothing extra. Anytime there's a gap or a hole, it will be filled with something. Even if it's just you binge watching Netflix, your flesh, unless it's told to do otherwise, will take over and control your time. That's exactly what will happen. Your flesh will take over and it'll control your time. That's why Paul taught uh, about how important it is for us to daily put our bodies under. You know why? Your body wants to control what you're doing with your time. <laughs> That's why he said, don't give your body as an instrument to sin to do what it wants to do, but make your body an instrument or a utensil of righteousness. Paul taught that. Why? Because you've got two natures on the inside of you that want to do two separate things with your time. And that's why you have to be the one that says, actually, I am going to plan out my time and my day rather than have it given to me like an itinerary. Because remember this, this is a, a, it's a great way to uh, see it visually. If you don't create your itinerary, you will be handed an itinerary. Think about that for a minute. If you don't create your own itinerary, you will be handed an itinerary because you're never just going to not do nothing. It's never going to happen. So either you'll create one by obedience, dedication, and self-control, or your flesh and external forces will hand you an itinerary for the day and say, this is what you'll be doing today. I'm, I'm telling you, anybody that's lived knows how true that is. This is what you'll be doing today. Because your flesh comes in, then external forces come in, and things always, somebody always has an emergency, somebody always has something they need you to do, we need you to remember, blah, 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 blah. And always, something pops up, there's always something that just, that's why when people say, that oh, I'll pray when I get the chance, they don't pray, they're not people of prayer. Because they don't, you don't get the chance. There's no free time. It's, it's a, in 2021, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in that way. And so if you don't create your own itinerary, you'll be handed one by external forces and by your own flesh. And then you'll never do what's pleasing to the Lord and you'll never produce for the kingdom. So the key becomes this. Before anything else, it's like uh, many of you have heard of uh, Dave Ramsey, who's a financial planner. One of the things that he says um, it's, it's not only true with finances, it's true with your time, which is this. He always says, if you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. If you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. Same exact thing is true with your time. If I don't tell my time where to go, I'll wonder where my time went. Man, that day, day's already over. Man, I haven't even got to my Bible reading for the day. I haven't even prayed. But now I got to do this with the kids. I got to get dinner on the table. I got to do that. You know what happens is that you let other things creep in and hand you an itinerary. And then you get to the end of your day and you wonder where your time went. And then you hear people say, I wish there was more hours in a day. You don't need more hours in a day. You need to do what's necessary in the hours you have. And I'm just telling you, there's almost nobody, almost nobody 
that's a good enough steward of their time to truly say, man, I wish there were more hours in a day. There are some people that could say that, that are truly on it and crushing and producing and doing what God's called them to do. There are some people that could say, man, I, I wish there were a few more hours in a day. But the, normally the people that say it are those who have squandered the hours that they do have. And whether we like it or not, it's true. Because we don't use time wisely by default. But I'm praying that you're going to begin to take control of your day, your time, and be extremely productive in the kingdom of God. I refuse to let my time be wasted. I refuse, as I reference the story of Nehemiah, I refuse to let any Sanballat and Tobiah come and tell me to come off the wall, stop building for a little bit and come down and talk to us. I'm not doing it. I'm not coming off the wall. I'm not stopping my production. I'm not, I'm not gonna quit doing what God's asked me to do. I'm not taking a break. I'm not going on sabbatical. I'm gonna say that again for every 2021 minister. I'm not going on sabbatical. Amen. You know why most people burn out in their purpose? Is because they, they pursue their purpose in such a way they need a vacation from it. And if you learn how to do what God's called you to do properly, you don't need a vacation away from it. I am not uh, torn up and wore out by what God's, this is week three of revival. I'm not ready to drop over. I'm not on death's door. I've learned how to have the faith to do the things I do for the Lord in a way that I can work hard and still be very comfortable and still be rested. You know, you, you think of little things. Let me just give you a couple little things of, of what I'm talking about. Find a way to do what you're doing for the Lord or whatever you do for your purpose that doesn't make you hate it, doesn't make you hate what you're doing. It's like, oh, here we go again. I got to go back. You know, I started to think to ourselves, my wife and I, my family, I, I normally family with, travel with my whole family. All five of us go. And now we have other people that are going with us. So there's more than five. But you know what? If, if we're going to spend the majority of our lives on the road as evangelists, then we're not even home in our house for the majority of the year. We're out on the road traveling. So what are you going to do? Do I want my kids to hate traveling and doing what we do for God? Do I want my kids to hate it? Do I want my wife to resent me and hate traveling because she gets jammed into some little room for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time? No. No, we don't. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to say, oh, here we go again. I got to leave my comfortable house, go on the road to start preaching the gospel. It's a sacrifice. It'll all be worth it one day, brother. No. So what do you do? You have the faith to do the things God's asked you to do so that you don't wear yourself out and hate what you're doing for the Lord. So you know what we started doing? Instead of jamming all five of us in a hotel room or even two hotel rooms, you know what we started doing? Just go online and find a big, beautiful house. Whether it's Airbnb, homeaway.com, vrbo.com, go online and find a big, beautiful house and rent it for the weeks that you're there and live in a big, beautiful house on the road. You know what? Now my kids are excited to travel. I mean, they've never not been excited to travel, but it brings a new excitement to them to run through the new house we're checking into. Which room's going to be my room? And You know, and my wife doesn't have to be jammed. I'm expecting her to homeschool my children. 
and she's got to be jammed into some little hotel room while she's homeschooling three kids and trying to get clothes clean and whatever else we're doing. And she's sitting there all ticked off. I wish we could just go home where I can have my bedroom and have a, how about this? I'll just get you a big, beautiful house on the road. You can spread out. I can come home from preaching like I did last night and sit in front of the fire at the fireplace and just chill out. And I kept on working until about two in the morning. I kept on working. I came home from church last night, kept on working. I'm not burned out. I don't feel ready to quit. I'm, real, I'm refreshed. My wife's refreshed. You know what we can do? We can go to the grocery store, pick up all of our groceries, come back to the house we've rented. We can make meals at home if we want. It's just like being at home, big, beautiful house on the road. I don't hate what I'm doing for the Lord because you can create it in such a way and have the faith to do it where you're not burned out. And then you don't want to say, well, I don't want to spend my time that way because it burns me out. It gets, I need a vacation. I'm not going on sabbatical, not quitting what God's called me to do. And you don't have to either. You don't have to work in such a way that you hate what you do with your time and you hate what you do for the Lord. I was talking about that yesterday. Create an environment that inspires you. I talked about even the candles that I like, the stuff that I found that I, it, to me, makes it relaxing. I like that smell. I like this environment. I like sitting in front of a fireplace. I like that. I like a, t a house that has a hot tub somewhere. If that's what relaxes me, I'm going to get it. Because I, understand this, I'm not going to go 40, 50 years working for the Lord of Jesus Terry's and at the end, like, well, I really had to sacrifice my life. No, just have the faith to do what the Lord's asked you to do in a way that's not going to burn you out. And then it's easier to use your time in a way. Let me tell you, if you can remove stress and the stress element, then it's so much easier to spend your time. Remember, time's currency. Remove the stress element and it's so much easier to spend your time. It's harder to spend time under stress. Remember that. It's harder to spend time under stress. It's easy to spend time when there's no stress. Hallelujah. Have you ever been in a situation where it's so wonderful, so peaceful? You're like, man, I can't believe that. We've been here. You ever sat with somebody at dinner that you loved being, being around? You ever gone to dinner with a friend or somebody that, was, that you really, a good friend, a family member, and you got a whole party out at dinner and you're like, have we really been here for three hours? Have we really been sitting here for four hours talking, eating, doing that? Yeah, isn't it interesting that the time flew? You didn't have any issue spending your time, did you? You know why? There was not, it was a stress-free environment. You know what it is when it's a stressful environment? Every minute ticks by slowly. You're staring at the clock. When can I get out of here? Staring at the clock. When can I get out of here? It's like that old adage, a watch pot never boils. You know why? When's the water going to boil? When's the water going to boil? When's the You're sitting there watching. It's going to take forever. It's the mindset. When there's stress, it's hard to spend your time. When there's no stress, time is spent very easily. Very easily. And so what I'm telling you is, if you want to be a good time manager, if you want to hustle to do what the Lord's asked you, as the psalmist said, hasten to do, learn how to be in the presence of God, remove stress, and put yourself in a position like Jacob did where the distractions are removed so that God can touch you, use you, and bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, touch your people today. We expect that after this week comes to an end, 
we will take a new responsibility with our time, that we will not waste our time, that we will not miss because of distraction what you've called us to accomplish. I pray that you would give every one of us a, a new conviction in our spirit about stewardship with our time, our schedule, our life. Don't let us just slide through life not accomplishing. Let us be extremely productive for the kingdom in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Make us extremely efficient. Make an impact in this kingdom. Use us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, before we go, I want to encourage you to sow a seed of faith. What is a seed of faith? What's an offering of faith? It's something that means something. That's what it is. If it doesn't impress you, it's not going to impress God. Remember that about every offering you ever sow. If it doesn't impress you, it doesn't impress God. Meaning, if you can let it leave your hand and, it, and you don't even feel it, God's not moved by that. That's not faith. Do something today that takes faith. Sow a seed by faith and watch what God will do in your life. Go to MiracleWord.com and sow that seed on the website, anywhere in the world. PayPal can be used anywhere in the world. If you're in the U.S., you can use Cash App, Venmo. If you're on Facebook today, hashtag donate is working. And uh, you can sow your seed that way. And I really love you guys and appreciate you spending time with me every single day. Don't forget, now, tonight through Friday, we're live at Kickstart 21 Boomerang Church, Albemarle, North Carolina. Pastors Brian and Nicole Wright, and we are live again tonight at 6.30 p.m. New York City time through Friday. And then we'll be back again tomorrow and Friday morning, 10.30 a.m. Don't want to miss it. For everybody that's sowing seed this month and partnering with us, we're sending you Brother Hagin's book, Understanding the Anointing. Powerful, powerful book that every believer needs in their library. And of course, for those that are uh, sowing largely, we are also... Thank you, Corey and Brandy. We love you guys. We are also sending you the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather. Uh, don't forget, new kids video is up at MiracleWordKids.com on creativity and also on their YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you haven't already. But today is on creativity. And uh, I'm so proud of Maddie, Brooklyn, Alex, everything that the team's been doing. These are extremely wonderful resources for your children, and it's all free, which is wonderful. We love you so much. Thanks for joining me again this morning. I'll see you again tonight. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.